You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. Your theme this year is, is about expanding RR, or this season, not this year, sorry. And I took that to mean um, broadening the horizons of our spiritual and relational imaginations so that we can get more and more into this um, reality of the kingdom of God as this huge family that we're part of, like all over the world, and this huge mission. And uh, when I was younger, I was thinking about this, and I was realizing when I was younger, even in faith, I only, before I really... um, became part of the church. I I thought that was a nice theory. You know, that was a nice idea. But I think I was way more influenced by the American dream um, and, you know, what I could create on my own by myself or with my little nuclear family. And so um, when I got blessed with these precious kids, um, I was, you know... I was in that that little nuclear family vibe and really enjoying that and I and I realized suddenly that I wanted to have more kids. I I didn't like I didn't really like expect that about myself, but mothering sort of opened me up to this like expansive bar. Um and so the only way I knew how to uh, to apply that longing for a more expansive R was to have you know, a bigger nuclear family. So I really wanted to keep having kids. But my husband, Jeff, had a different idea. He he thought our little Sensenig crew was just wonderfully complete with these two kids. And so I started to pray and ask God what to do with this desire for, for an expansive R. And God's answer looks something like this so far. Um, and it keeps on growing, but I couldn't have predicted the way the call to pastoring expanded my world and my family, um, and the way our circle of hope has grown, but it's definitely a more expansive R than I imagined with my little nuclear family crew and the American dream, uh, whatever that was, we get to be part of something much bigger that continues to enrich and stretch and bless us. See up little Oliver James up there? Oh, that's Ollie? That's Ollie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we get, to, uh, we get to have a lot of babies together, in a sense, and that's something that I really enjoy. But, of course, God didn't invent the church just to give me more kids or something. Um, this wonderful hour has been forming since the beginning of time. And I think it really kicked off um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, and particularly when he's having this little conversation with Peter um, that I want to talk about this morning. When When Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. I want to meditate on those words a little bit with you this morning. Um, because they, they're not just a command. I think they can kind of come off that way, you know? Like, 
God just like telling us what we need to do. But the wild and wonderful reality is that they came in a conversation and in a relationship. And they came even as a bridge over troubled waters. They came to Peter right in the midst of his shame and failure in this relationship of mind-blowing love. They came as forgiveness and acceptance and delight and dignity and true worth. And I think that's how our family expands. That is how our hour gets made. And that's my personal, that's a big part of my personal story too, that this call to like feed Jesus' sheep with him did not come as an obligation. It came as as an understanding of this mind-blowing acceptance and partnership from God, which was way beyond what I was feeling on my own. So let's look at the story together um, in John 21 here. But before you, before you start reading the screen, if you can even see it back there um, with my little font, I want to just give you a little backstory, um, you know, to jog your memory. What happens right before this moment where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation is that um, Jesus is crucified. And this is probably the first time he's seen Peter face to face. Because if you remember the story, Peter denied Jesus in Jesus's like moment of greatest vulnerability. Peter denies him, and then he runs away, and he hides for a couple days. And he's not—he's kind of not mentioned. I don't think he's with the crew of disciples because he's so full of shame, he doesn't even know what to do with himself. And so in this moment here, um, Jesus shows up on shore. Peter goes back to his old vocation. He goes back to fishing. And he's even failing at that in this moment. And Jesus shows up, and, you know, he... He even tells these guys how to fish. Um, but let's let's read their conversation here. Can anybody read it out? Can anybody see it to read it out loud for us? Jess, can you? Thanks. Uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now it's getting faint. <laughs> the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the, the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truth, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you were when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which peter would glorify god then he said to him follow me so um the real beauty of this moment i think happens when we look at the greek um, words for love that are being used here. And there's like, I, I'm not an expert um, in Greek. Ben knows a lot more than me, but I learned it 
there's there's seven words for love in Greek, and um, the the one that Jesus asks Peter for here at first is agape. It's um, it's this high this higher love, divine love, unconditional love, and Jesus is asking Peter, "Do you love me like that?" And Peter responds with. No, I, I love you, but I love you with a brotherly, a, a, like kind of a lower, a, like more human in, in his understanding, um, a brotherly kind of love. And not even that well, Jesus. You know, Peter's, I think, trying to be honest with Jesus here. Like, you know, Jesus, that I love you, but it's not agape love because I just really messed up. And so... So Jesus comes back and he asks again for that higher love. And Peter responds again, look, Jesus, you know what just happened. I love you, but it's not as good and as strong as we want it to be. And so then what happens here the third time, I think, is the heart of the gospel. I love this story so much. Um, and this is how our, our family gets made. This is how our R is formed. Jesus meets Peter right where he is at. He says, do you love me with that phileo love, that brotherly love? That's okay. You guys always have like the, the music outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's okay. Jesus is right here where we are at with, with the music. Um, because he comes back to Peter in that moment and he says, that's all right. I know you love me. I know that's how you love me right now, and that's good, and that's enough. And I know you're going to love me more in the future. You are going to grow into this agape love. You're, you're going to die a martyr's death. You're going to come into your fullness, but I love and accept you right now where you are. And in fact, I fully identify with you there. So Jesus communicates this full acceptance and identification with Peter, and he gives him hope for growing into um, his fullness, this vision and a promise for his future. And I think that that's how our hour gets made. Total acceptance for each other as we are right now, and at the same time, holding out hope for something bigger. So I think I, I have the honor of knowing a lot of you, and you, you love like this. And uh, we have a trans-historical blog um, connected to our website that I think Ben's been sharing, talking about a lot this season, where we, uh, we talk about people who love, who love like that. And one of my favorite heroes is Mother Hale. Um, you probably have heard of her. Um, mostly for what she did after she retired. She loved people well as they were, and she loved them into something bigger, quite literally. So let me tell you a little bit about her story. She was a widow. She became a widow at age 27. And um, she put her kids, she, she raised them and supported them by being 
working as a domestic worker during the day and a janitor at night. So she literally worked around the clock. And then at some point, she decided to open a daycare so she could spend more time with her own kids and even open up her home to foster kids. And so she did that for a bunch of years. And then right as she was ready to retire, her daughter brought, um, invited a drug addicted mother and, and, and baby into their home. And Clara couldn't refuse them, of course. And they, the mother ended up taking off and leaving the baby. But Clara stayed up all night, you know, rocking this drug addicted little child. And um, soon enough, the mother came back with other others of the children and left them. Um, eventually, she returned to take the children back. But within a few short weeks, Mother Hale's little apartment was packed wall to wall with tw 22 drug addicted babies. Some of them were abandoned, some were orphaned. As Mother Hale told a reporter later, before I knew it, every pregnant addict in Harlem knew about the crazy lady who would give her baby, their baby a home. So slowly Mother Hale and her daughter Lorraine and her sons Nathan and Kenneth allowed their lives to be virtually consumed by the effort to instill hope and healing into the lives of addicted parents in Harlem. This is like during the mid-70s. Mother Hale kept the frailest of the infants in her own bedroom, cradling them and walking the floors all night when necessary to comfort each one through the painful experience of detoxification. The younger Hales took as many jobs as was necessary to bring in the funds to support the many, many children who came into their home. It wasn't their fault they were born addicted. Love them, help one another, Hale was known for saying. Eventually, Mother Hale was, was able to get an, an actual license by the state, and she was able to buy a building with the donations that were being given to her. And um, she got some staff help, but she continued to raise each of these kids as if they were her own. And she, she found adoptive families for some of them, but she was picky about them. She would... She would uh, she wouldn't let some of the people who wanted to adopt these kids let them if she didn't think they could provide a good home. Um, she eventually helped over 2,000 drug-addicted babies and young children, um, children born with HIV even, and whose parents had died of AIDS. It was simple, she said. Hold them, rock them, love them, and tell them how great they are. I think it was probably a lot harder than that um, because by 1983, 28,000 women had succumbed to drug addiction in New York City alone. More than 50,000 children were born chemically dependent. Um, and in the 80s, you know, addiction wasn't treated as a mental health crisis. It was a crime scene. And so it, you know, that mass incarceration and benign neglect of poor minorities um, became the response rather than the implementation of well-funded treatment programs and um, mental health programs. 
So after the grant that that helped Hale House get started, um, after that ran out, Mother Hale started losing money um, from the state. And public agencies even were um, repeatedly harassing the center. But she was supported by churches and community groups and individuals. And so she was able to maintain, even after her death, they were able to maintain this uniquely caring and dignified way of raising these kids, um, which was in sharp contrast, contrast to a lot of the public agencies at the time. In the program's early days, when funds for food and supplies were few and meeting payroll was a constant challenge, Clara Hale's personal faith in Christ and the active concern of ordinary people were her only reliable sources of strength and support. They brought her disposable diapers, formula, and other things that they were always running out of. One notable admirer spent more than two years on and off trying to track her down because um, no one among his circle of friends knew her name. Finally, John Lennon found her and, and gave her a check for $10,000. And then after he died, Yoko continued to send her money every year. Even Princess Diana found Mother Hale like on the down low and visited her. And uh, President Reagan called her out, even had her like sitting up next to him um, after a presidential address calling her an American hero. So love can accomplish a lot. Love can accomplish a lot. Even if you are needy, like Peter, and like Mother Hale. They fed Jesus' sheep with what they had, like we do. Even though we're needy children, too. So I learned the wonderful thing about sheep and shepherds the last time I was reading Psalm 23, and I just kind of want to leave it with you as a closing image. Um, remember how Psalm 23 says uh, that the good shepherd leads us beside quiet waters. Well, this I, I found out when I, I love learning about sheep. Um, partly because the name Rachel is Little Lamb, and so I've always been uh, told to pay attention to that, and I'm glad for that. Um, but sheep are actually afraid of running water. They're afraid of it. And that's a shame because, you know, running water is the good, healthy water. Um, st the stagnant water that the sheep naturally go to is what makes them sick, you know, because it's collecting parasites and it's a breeding ground for mosquitoes. But that's what sheep will, na they will naturally go to the still stagnant water because they are afraid of the bubbly, fresh running water. And so what a good shepherd does is dams up the water. He goes through the trouble, or she goes through the trouble of making a little pool so that the sheep aren't afraid to come and drink from that place. The good shepherd understands our fear. Just like Jesus understood Peter's shame and accepted the filet of love that he could give, so the good shepherd dams up the fresh run, running water so that it's accessible to 
their sheep. And so their fear is calmed and they can be refreshed. And I, I put, um, I put the picture of my cell up there. This is the most recent picture of my little cell tree that you can barely see. Um, and since then we have, we, we, we have invited some men to our group. It's all, it happens to be all women in that picture, <laughs> but we do have guy friends. Um, but I think our, these, these, our smaller groups, our cells are like places where the water can be dammed up for us. Um, we can, sometimes in these smaller groups, we can drink the water of life in a way that is calming to our fears. Um, and there's more understanding that we can be known and accepted. I don't, I don't know if you've had a cell, an experience in a cell group like that. I hope you have. Because um, I think it's a good way to keep expanding our hour in 2019. To keep creating these small groups that are places where the water can be dammed up a little bit for us to drink. I think that's what Jesus is saying to us, that he knows our fears. He gets us. It's good enough what we can bring. We belong as we are. And I think that's what Mother Hale was communicating to those babies. And that's how the family expands. That's how our R gets formed, through that kind of radical acceptance and love and hope. So before we move on, um, I want to invite you to just spend a minute in the quiet uh, with the Good Shepherd. Close your eyes if you, if that helps. Um, and imagine that the Good Shepherd knows the kind of fearful sheep that we are, the kind of needy children that we are. Psychologists know that every newborn comes into the world looking for someone who is looking for them. Every newborn comes into the world looking for someone who's looking for him or her. Jesus is that one looking for each of us, trying to find where we're hiding or ready to fall off a cliff like sheep do. He's looking for us in order to feed us with attention and empathy and delight, just like a good parent establishing a secure attachment. Receiving that love and acceptance helps us to grow into full partnership with God. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.